The Daily Tap is live. For Wednesday, we're going to talk about the biggest storylines for Packers and Giants this weekend. We are also going to talk about the Packers' interest in Odell Beckham Jr. based on Aaron Rodgers' comments to the Pat McAfee Show. And then the long-awaited return of the national media Murph report. We'll get into what the MMM report is. Uh, it's something we did a while back. I'm bringing it back. Um, I don't know if it's going to be something we do all the time, but every now and again, it's probably good to talk about it. We're going to talk about Judges 62. We're going to talk about Wemben Yama or Scoot Henderson. Uh, yeah, and who knows, maybe anything else that comes across the wire for me. And then lastly, we'll do a Chuck's Corner on the first suburban gym experience. I finally am back at the gym in the rotation. I will give my gym review um, at the end of the show. I hope you all are excited and ready for that. Before we get going, make sure you're following us on social media, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on TikTok, as well as Instagram. We had a banger of a week on TikTok so far. Uh, I think we have a few posts over that thousand threshold, which is great. Um, love to see that. Um, hopefully it keeps building as the week goes on. That's kind of how things go. If you're coming in from TikTok, if you're new, if you're like, what is this podcast all about? We have a great show. We have a great show. We have a great thing going here. Make sure that you're subscribing. And if you're already subscribed, make sure that you are rating and reviewing. Uh, we would really appreciate that. Whether it's Apple, whether it's Spotify, and we are on every place you can get your podcast. If somehow we are not where you listen to your podcast, let us know. We'll be, do it on social. We'll be happy to take care of you. All right, let's waste no more time and talk about the Packers and Giants as they get ready to play in London on Sunday. It is Giants week. It is a 3-1 Packers team versus a 3-1 Giants team. I think one of these teams you can trust and one of these teams you're a little unsure about. The Giants are the latter and the Packers are the former. The Packers are 3-1, and one, and I think everybody believes that the Packers are part of the Super Bowl power rankings, if you will. I don't know if the Packers are at the top of the NFL right now, and we discussed that at great length the last two days of the podcast, but I do think that the Green Bay Packers are still considered as a team that is going to be there at the end. People do not believe in the New York Giants. The New York Giants have a better record than the San Francisco 49ers, but there is no person on the face of this planet, even Giants fans, who would say that they would rather be a rather be the Giants than the San Francisco 49ers. Like, none at all. Like, that just is not happening, right? But the records are the records. You know, you don't apologize for 3-1, and one and, and nor should the, the Giants, because they're playing decent football and they're doing enough to win football games and because of the way their schedule breaks out they aren't playing tough teams they're only facing the Green Bay Packers that's likely one of their toughest games outside of their own division which looks pretty good but you never know with divisional games right divisional games are weird divisional games you can pull one out of your ass and if the Giants keep winning these games they're supposed to maybe they fall backwards into that seventh playoff spot that seventh playoff spot is likely going to be a 9-8 team. And honestly, it would not surprise me if it's the Giants, the Seahawks, the Falcons. Like, all those teams could potentially be there at the end because they've all felt like they've played, had good moments of football this year. The problem with the Giants against the Green Bay Packers on Sunday is that they might not have their quarterback. 
there might not be a Daniel Jones playing for the New York Giants. And to make matters worse, Tyrone Taylor likely not going to be playing as well. So then that relies on Davis Webb. And yet again, the Green Bay Packers are going up against a third string quarterback. So let's dive into the the storylines that I feel like are the most important. We do this every week on Wednesday to kind of get us ready for Giants week. Number one is the neutral game Packers. They lost the game in Jacksonville against New Orleans because they were displaced because of a hurricane and the Packers got their asses kicked. Is it a cause for concern? I don't think so. Are they going to be playing this game? I'm not worried about that. Like that's something that does not exactly scare me because first of all, it's week one. We know that we do not count the week one Packers. The week one Packers are a complete shell of what they're, they usually are. So we're gonna throw that part out. And number two, they've made London into more of a business trip. If you read Kevin Seifert's thread, uh, ESPN writer, for the Vi- talking to the Vikings, kind of like how to ops, it might have been their strength and condition coach, I can't remember. But basically what he said was, and he had worked for the Rams before that, who the Rams have been to London a couple times, that you basically have to come in on like Thursday. And if you come in on Thursday, it basically is a business trip. Yes. Your sleep clocks are kind of weird and you have to work around that. And there are guys that are paying attention to all of that shit. So like, even if they come in on Thursday, it's not that big of a deal because they're all on top of it. The NFL is so regimented that they are making sure that all of these players are taken care of. And because they come in on Thursday, it's more of a business trip than a, hey, let's have a vacation in London. And that's what they try to avoid. And that's what basically his point was, is like the longer you're there, the more trouble, the more fires that you're going to have to put out. I don't know if you know this, but London gets after it. London can drink. London has clubs. Like it's very easy to have sort of a London flu, if you will, on Sunday when you're playing your football game, because you might be, might be recovering from the night before or the week before if you were there all week. So Green Bay Packers are doing that. I believe the Giants are doing the same. The way that air travel works these days, it doesn't doesn't really concern me in that way. And also too, you know, going back to the neutral site game, I look at this and I think like London is going to be different. Like I just think London is different than the situation we had in Jacksonville where Green Bay was prepping to be in the dome. They were working on probably stuff to counteract all the noise in the dome. And then they go to Jacksonville, which by the way, it was early September and it was hot. Like it was in the 90s. So you weren't able to be ready to go. Remember when they talked about the Tampa game this year, they worked basically all summer on getting ready for that heat. They basically did not want to make the same mistakes that they made the year before. So they didn't. They don't have to worry about that with London. That's not a concern. They, I think the Tottenham Stadium is open air. I would imagine there is a roof. I haven't looked at the weather, but I'm sure it's nice and balmy. I, not to brag, but I was in London around this time in 2018, which is now almost five years ago, which is crazy. But I was there five, almost five years ago, like I said, four years ago, and we had great weather. This is like a great time to be in London. Like we had one day of rain 
in I think like 10 days we were there, 11 days. Like we, I, we loved our time there. I was with my family. I would love to go back. I think my wife hasn't been to London. Um, but yeah, definitely something if you are going uh, as a Packer fan, uh, make sure that you're staying a couple extra days. I hope it's a long trip. I hope you're not just going for the Packer game because that to me would be a little bit lame. Like go for the full fucking experience enjoy London, uh, enjoy what the amenities that it has to offer. Um, there's so many. Um, and I hope, I hope you're able to take advantage of that if you are in fact going. And speaking of that, I don't necessarily know if this is going to be a neutral game. Even though you worry a little bit about neutral site stuff, there are going to be a lot of Packer fans. Packers are worldwide. They're, that's well known. That's well established. There are Packer fans all across Europe that are dying to go to this game. There will be people from France, there'll be people from Belgium, there'll be people from Germany, there'll be people from Portugal. There might even be people from Asia that come and watch Packers play on Sunday. The Packers have as big of a reach as any team in the NFL. Therefore, I think it's going to be a 60-40 or maybe even 65-35 Packer split. And those London crowds have been crazy. They've been nuts. They really love football. They've really embraced football. I do wonder, are the NFL, is the NFL pumping in, you know, the noise? Like, is it actually that loud at Tottenham Stadium? I'm not quite sure. Um, we can get into a deep conspiracy on another point, but I don't, even though the neutral site is one you have to acknowledge, the turf's going to be a little different. The environment's going to be different. The Packers should adapt pretty well. Storyline number two is who will run the ball better. Both teams have featured backs, whether it's the Giants and Saquon Barkley or the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Both teams are going to look to run the football and they're in luck. The Giants have not been good against the run all year uh, and the Green Bay Packers have also had moments of struggle. So who will come out ahead? Well, if you look at the tail of the tape, the Giants really struggled against a one-two punch of Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott a couple weeks ago. I have to think that Green Bay has watched that tape and Green Bay knows that they can take advantage similarly to what the Cowboys did a couple weeks ago. Like that has to be a focus if you're the Green Bay Packers. Like that is the thing that you should be option one. Like I know people are steadfast on running the football and nothing's ever good enough, even though the Packers ran the ball 34 fucking times yet it still isn't good enough for some people. Some people want to run the ball 80% of the time. Like 34, 34 times, 34 touches is pretty fucking good. Like I, I think anyone would take that with the combination of Jones and Dillon. So I would imagine that they're going to do something very similar to what we saw with Dallas. As for the Giants, they could have just as much success and it's only going to be Saquon. They have to load up the boxes. They have to focus on slowing down Saquon. They are going to run, 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 especially if it's Davis Webb. And if it's Davis Webb, you have to make sure that you are tighter around the around the linemen, it, whether it's eight guys in, whether it's bringing Darnell Savage up to play sort of that eighth role, like make that adjustment. I think that is such a big thing for Joe Barry this week. If Joe Barry doesn't make that adjustment, and Saquon goes off for like 160 and basically keeps the Giants in this game, we have to start asking some real questions about Joe Barry. We have to really start wondering like, are we sure this guy knows what he's doing? 
Because I think right now we've seen a just sort of tumultuous year, right? Minnesota, really bad game plan. Chicago, pretty solid game plan. Tampa Bay, really good game plan. Then New England, not so good. And part of the New England and Minnesota is the lack of adjustments. It's like Barry has his plan and he sticks with it. Hopefully that changes. And Brian Dable is an offensive mind. He's a very good offensive mind. And if it is Davis Webb, who we're going to talk about here in a second, that could be a real fact. That could be a real factor. Dable could be drawing up some crazy shit to counteract Joe Barry. And that is a definite coaching mismatch and one that worries me. So hopefully Joe Barry has brought his lunch pail and is ready to show off the run-stopping defense that we expected the Green Bay Packers to be this season. Number three is two-tiered because we don't know if Daniel Jones will start. So if it is Davis Webb, don't let Davis Webb believe. This is a great opportunity for Davis Webb. He's on national TV and he's the only game going. And if David Webb, Davis Webb shows out in this game, there are going to be a lot more eyeballs on Davis Webb going forward. So the Packers need to do their job and make sure that David Davis Webb doesn't get off the ground. And he's a third string quarterback for a reason. I thought they did an adequate job with Bailey Zappi, but I was waiting for the turnover. I was waiting for the pick six from Rasul Douglas. It never came. Can you do that type of stuff with Davis Webb and, and do it early? Do not keep the Giants in this game. The Packers do love to let teams hang around. This is a foot-on-your-throat game. I am very encouraged with the second half of the Packers offensively last week that I hope it carries over to, to the first quarter, first half, and Green Bay has the Giants put away at halftime, and we can all just enjoy bloodies and breakfast food, and we have a low resting heart rate the rest of the day. That is what I hope for. Will it happen? I I don't know. It's it, you never you you really never know with the Packers. Like they don't blow teams out very often, um, so it's few and far between. But let's hope that they basically keep Davis Webb on the ground. Three A would be. Quay Walker can show his worth if Daniel Jones is at back there at quarterback. Quay Walker has been kind of getting a little bit of shit. Um, I think it's been unfair. Everybody's like, why is this rookie class not produced? And I'm like, what rookies really have? Like Chris Olave, I guess. Garrett Wilson had his moment. George Pickens, again, had his moment. But we really have not seen a guy sort of emerge as rookie of the year on both sides of the football. I don't think we're there yet. And I, I know it's week four, so usually same people don't react like that. But this was kind of the overreaction stuff we were talking about yesterday. And so everyone's like, well, Clay Walker's grading out low. They should have drafted Devin Lloyd. And it's like, Devin Lloyd's fucking Devondre Campbell. Like, don't be that dumb. Like, Devondre Campbell is Devin Lloyd. Like, he's a Spider-Man. We just paid a guy $50 million. Why the fuck would we want another version of him? We wanted a guy who would go sideline to sideline. And that's exactly what Quay Walker could do against Daniel Jones. And I think that could really help the Green Bay Packers and could slow down the Jones running game. Jones loves to run the football. He loves to bail out of the pocket. The guy has no pocket presence to save his fucking soul. Like it's one little bit of pressure and he's like, I'm out. It's very college quarterback-y-ish. And I think part of it is Jones got broken early on in his career and he hasn't been able to settle in. Like I've, I'll say this, I've been a, a little bit of a Danny Dimes believer in the, back in the day. Like, I just think, I think the potential's there. Like, I, I kind of see it with him. 
but it just has never developed. Like it's always one dumb mistake after another. And I think this talk about Davis Webb about don't let him get off the mat, kind of the same thing applies to Danny Dimes, right? Like he's 0-9 in primetime games. Like this, while it's at 8.30, it's not, it's kind of sort of a primetime game. Like all eyes are on the Giants. And if Dimes performs and has this goody performance after being hurt last week and throws for like 270 and runs for 50, there's going to be a lot of haze. Danny Dimes, the Giants quarterback of the future. That would be the headline that we would see after this game. So again, do not make him believe and let Quay Walker have an impact in this one. I think he could. So those are my storylines. Uh, I think it should be a good game. Uh, Packers are favored by eight and a half. We'll talk about betting, which has not been our strong suit. Uh, even though it's been popular to listen to, I hope you guys are just fading me at this point of the season. But yeah, it should be should be a fun matchup. I'll also be curious to watch the pass rush of the Packers against the revamped Giants secondary. How do or it's Giants? Other storylines that didn't make the list, uh, the Packers pass rush against the Giants O-line, Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal, two very young, promising offensive tackles. How do they handle Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith? I think something to watch. Will the secondary get an interception? They have not had an intercept. I think they have one interception all year. It has not been pretty uh, for, for the defensive backfield so far. Offensively, you know, can we get a clean game from Dobbs and Watson? You know, will Elton Jenkins move to right tap, right guard? I think that's another one that's definitely available. So a lot of good stuff. Uh, looking forward to playing the Giants. It is a, it's not, I would say it's not a rivalry. I mean, we face each other now, I think three times in the playoffs. Packers had won one, lost two, once in the Rogers era, once in the Farve era. They've played more than that, but I'm saying recent memory. So I, I wouldn't go as far to call it a rivalry. It's definitely an old school matchup. It's like, it's kind of akin to like a original six matchup in hockey. Like that's kind of what I th- feel like the Packers and Giants are. Like, I don't know who else I would put in that original six. That's actually a good, good thing. Uh, we can tangent a little bit. It'd be the Packers, the Giants. It's the Bears for sure. You got to put the Bears there. So it's the Bears, the Giants, the Packers. Who else would go there? No teams really from the West. The South, no throw all those teams out i don't think the lion lion's been around for a while but i want to put them maybe philadelphia uh the jets now because i the afl i like i have a hard time with the teams in the afl like do you really consider the afl part of like that original six or the original four i don't know arizona actually we mentioned um even though they weren't in arizona to start they were in chicago to begin but they've had an illustrious career um you know throughout so they are their record books go way far back cleveland browns could also be in that mix um that's actually a really fun topic i might have to do that for like a random day when we don't have anything going on because it'd be an interesting study uh, to see who belongs and who doesn't in sort of that original six for the nfl Let's move on to Aaron Rodgers and his interest in Odell Beckham Jr. We are running it back after last year where the Packers had interest in Odell Beckham Jr. It seems like we are going to do it all over again. Aaron Rodgers was asked about Odell Beckham Jr. on the Pat McAfee show on Tuesday because uh, Odell was tweeting about Aaron Rodgers being on fire in the second half. Somebody asked him about what would be like to play with him. And he's like, you already know it would be different. And basically saying we would run shit. 
Aaron Rodgers commented on that, basically said that he would love to play with Odell and that he's known Odell for a long time and that I'm sure once he's healthy that he's going to go to a team that is competitive and that is ready to be in in the playoffs. Odell responded to the Pat McAfee clip with a bunch of emojis. Not exactly sure what that means. I'm not going to decipher emojis, but we are running back with Odell after last year where the Packers came close but they could not match the money that the Rams were able to put in front of them and the signing bonus and LA and Von Miller and all of those things. And that's how Odell became a Ram. And Odell, a lot of people have assumed he's going to be back with the Rams. But if the Rams struggle and the Rams are hovering around 500, will Odell look elsewhere? Odell's been on a vicious recruiting trip. And when I say vicious, I mean in the way of like, the guy has not had any sort of like, Stone unturned. He was in LA to start the year. Then he went to New Orleans. Then apparently he was talking to the Giants. It would not surprise me if Odell Beckham showed up in London and he would start watching the Packers and Giants because both teams have been linked. Packers haven't expressed interest throughout the media. Like Schefter Rapport is not reporting that the Packers have interest, but because Aaron Rodgers has interest, that means the Packers probably should at least take a look and see if they can do something different compared to last year. Here are my questions, and I I hate to be a Debbie Downer because I think Odell would be a really good addition to the Packers. I think he would help the Packers. I do not think that it would be a situation where it would hurt the Packers in any way. So let me state that before I ask my Debbie Downer questions, okay? Number one, does he want to play here? I've had buddies kill me about this. I have buddies who tell me like, you're carrying the water. You're basically defending Brian Gunacus for lowballing Odell. And, and really, there's none of that. It's none of that. It's understanding we're in Green Bay fucking Wisconsin. And if Odell wants to come here, it's likely going to be in November. And it'll be in December. It'll be in January. And it'll be in February. Does Odell want to ride with us? Now, he has been rumored with Buffalo. But part of that is due to Von Miller and the Von Miller impact. They are best friends. So does he want to play with his buddy in Buffalo or does he play with his other friend in Aaron Rodgers? Now, maybe Aaron and him aren't as close as Aaron's making it out to be. It sounds like they're very close, which makes it kind of hard to believe they didn't choose the Packers last season. So could he do it all over again and say, I want to join, I want to be part of it. I want to play with Aaron Rodgers versus Josh Allen. I don't know. I mean, maybe he's a mercenary every year going forward. So he plays with Rodgers this year, and then he plays with Josh Allen next year. Also, will Aaron Rodgers sell? That was actually not part of my second question. I have another one after that. But will Aaron Rodgers actually sell through that Odell should be a Packer? You heard about Tom Brady sliding into Julio Jones' DMs and basically telling him how he needed Julio to be a player for the Bucs. Now, Julio's been a bust as I expected him to be. I'm not surprised that Julio Jones has reverted back to Tennessee Julio Jones. He was always that version. It just the media hyped it up because it's Brady and the whole thing. But Julio's not, he's not that guy, right? And, but I, I wonder about Odell's health and we'll talk about that here in a second. But I, I, Aaron Rodgers needs to sell Odell on Green Bay. Like Aaron Rodgers needs to talk to Odell and be like, hey, look, I know it's not the most glamorous city, you can save a lot of money here. You can make back some of the things you lost in crypto. Remember, he has a seller in crypto. So did Aaron, though. So who knows? Maybe Aaron has figured out a way to do that with the cost of living in Green Bay being so fucking low. 
You go out Milwaukee whenever you want. It's two hours away. It's a great time. It's actually an underrated city. Uh, the strip club here is not great in the Oval Office. Um, you'd just be better off, you know, hunting on Instagram uh, because it's not good. Um, and if you want that kind of thing, again, you got to go to Milwaukee. But Aaron Rodgers, I think, could still sell the idea, the other stuff of, hey, I just want to win a Super Bowl. I need a Super Bowl. I need your ring. I want one more and then I'm done. So uh, there's not going to be a lot more time to play with me because I think this team is going to win a Super Bowl. And so this is kind of your last moment to play with me. And I think if Aaron Rodgers talks like that, I think he can get Odell here. But it's going to have to be a combination of a friendly contract with Brian Gunacoos and Aaron Rodgers selling Odell on the idea of Green Bay, Wisconsin. The other question I have is how healthy is he, right? I don't know about that. That's the one part I get a little bit nervous. Like we're all making a big deal out of it because he is a top tier player. He revived his career in Los Angeles. He looked like the Odell that we saw years ago. That said, that said, he's coming off a major knee injury and he's a wide receiver and he's a guy who uses his speed. Now, Roger said the McAfee show, I don't know of a guy who works harder. That is all fine and dandy, but I, I just wonder how healthy is Odell and will that impact things? Like, will Green Bay look at it and say, well, we don't want to pay him this much amount of money and not have to deal have to deal with him just sort of slowly but surely getting back to form. Another question I have, so I lied. I guess I had four questions about this. What happens to wide receiver room? What's funny is Green Bay doesn't have a ton of space at wide receiver. If you look at it, they are playing five receivers right now. You have Lazard, you have Watson, you have Dobbs, you have Cobb, and you have Amari Rodgers. Now, Amari Rodgers is not on the offensive field, but he's highly involved in special teams. I do wonder if Kylan Hill coming back, he should be back soon. If Kylan Hill coming back, if he is the one that basically breaks it through to sign Odell Beckham Jr. Because Amari Rodgers would be the obvious guy that would probably get released or be the odd man out. Now, maybe it's Samari Torrey, and maybe they add Rodgers to the practice squad, something like that. But I do wonder, would they carry six receivers? Who knows? Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe they are just hell-bent on getting to the Super Bowl, and adding a guy like Odell Beckham means you have six wide receivers. It'll be a very interesting story to follow. I'm sure it'll get pretty obnoxious, for being honest, um, as gets closer and closer, a lot of fake rumors, a lot of eyeball emojis, the whole kit and caboodle, man. Uh, but I do think that Odell has interest here. And I don't know that, it's not sourced. I just feel like if you look at the teams that are kind of remaining in that Odell sweepstakes, the Packers and Bills seem like the only two. So maybe the game in a month will decide everything. All right, let's move on to the NMM report, aka the National Media Murph Report. What is this, you ask? What is this new segment that you're bringing to us? We have a buddy, Murph. We've heard him on the podcast. He hasn't been on in a long time, but he loves national media stories. He buys into the Yankees, he buys into the Lakers, SEC football. Like the guy just loves national big topics. And Sometimes, you know, we'll talk shit about the Bucks. We'll talk shit about other teams except the Packers as, you know, sort of peons, if you will. 
So here are the national meter and how we're doing this, how we're structuring this is based on just topics that are in the national landscape that I want to talk about. And since we usually talk Wisconsin, it's a little change of pace. So work with me as we go into the NMM. Aaron Judge finally hit 62 home runs. Now it's funny that I mentioned Murph because we had a bet for 61 and a half home runs. We made it in July as bachelor party. I thought I was gonna clear it pretty easily. It went down to the wire, but it got done. Murph was pretty salty. Um, and now we're back to even at the Tab of the Keg Casino. That's not why I'm talking about this. That's not why I wove it in. What I'm talking about is the fact that we have big J's who think that Aaron Judge should be the home run keg. I say this and I mean this a lot. I respect everybody, but that is the dumbest fucking thing I've heard in my entire fucking life. Okay? Barry Bonds, home run king. All right? I don't care he did steroids. All right? A lot of us, a lot of people and us have done steroids in baseball. The steroid era existed. You cannot memory hold the steroid era. The steroid era happened. Those guys played on rosters. They won games, and you can't just say, all right, we are not going to acknowledge anything from 1990 to 2005 or whatever they, whatever the Mitch report came out. Yeah, it was 2007, actually. That's crazy. Uh, but anyways, like you can't do that. You just can't. Like Aaron, Aaron Judge is not the home run king. He had 62 home runs. He's, I believe, sixth on the list now. He passed Roger Maris. He has the Yankees record. That's fine and dandy. Like, nothing wrong with that. He has the AL record. Again, nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, he is not anything better than what McGuire did, what Sosa did, what Bonds did. Those guys deserve their moment. And I think it's actually very unfair to them. And you're like, well, Charlie dated steroids. Everybody was doing steroids. It wasn't like Mark McGuire was the only guy juicing up. The entire fucking roster was full of steroids. Brady Clark hit 30 home runs. That is a clear sign of a guy who juiced. And he had massive forearms, by the way. Like, there were juicers all across baseball. So to just be like, just throw that out is so fucking ridiculous. And it's so typical baseball. And baseball just cannot get, get out of their own way. There's so many examples of this. I wanna highlight one here real quick, but before I do, also if Judge wasn't a Yankee, this wouldn't be that big of a story. It just wouldn't. Because he's a Yankee, because Roger Maris was a Yankee, it is amplified. If this was a Toronto Blue Jay, if this was a Boston Red Sox, man, maybe Red Sox, big deal. Uh, if this was an Oriole, if this was a Mariner, no one's fucking talking about this. That, maybe not that. That's a little strong. But like, it is not cut into college football to watch at-bats. It's just not happening. So I think the Yankee part has a lot to do with it and it has drove a lot of the discourse because the Yankees are one of the teams that will always, always move the needle. Also wanted to talk about French Vic, a.k.a. Victor Wembignana versus Scoot Henderson tonight. They went at it in an exhibition game in Las Vegas. Everybody is creaming themselves. Like it is full-blown Peter North come explosion for both of these guys. They are going nuts. There are people who are saying, I'd rather lose all my games 
and be in the lottery, then have a first-round exit. Loser mentality. We see that way too much in NBA Twitter. Uh, but that's not what I'm here to talk about. I'm here to talk about Wembyana and Scoot. Wembyana said, I feel bad for him because in any other year, he'd be drafted one, but he's not going to be. Scoot took that out and gave Wembyana the business in this, the first half. Then Wembyana battled back. And the two had around 30 points. I didn't, I didn't, I could start taping before a game was over. It's really, it's really fascinating. It's really fascinating to watch these two guys. They look like the most surefire one, two that we have seen in a long time. I don't have the drafts in front of me, but it's very rare that we have this sort of one, two combination. And it's highly unlikely that anybody is going to move Wembenyana or Scoot off the first two picks of the draft. Now, will somebody draft Scoot over Wembenyama? I actually think they might. I will be very curious on that because Wembenyama is a big boy. He's 7'4". Kristaps Porzingis was 7'4 and could never really stay healthy. Now, we have no idea Wembenyama is 18 years old. There's a long way to go. He can shoot threes, maybe better than Giannis at this point. And has a lot of things that will get him compared to the Greek freak. But I think that there will be people who will take Scoot Henderson over Webinyama. I don't know how many teams, but I guarantee you there's one or two lurking. Because they might look at the size and just be like, we can't make this work. Like there, this will this will end in a lot of injuries. And we'll see. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But it was awesome to watch. I think the hype on them is going to be real. The tanking is going to be phenomenal. Um, I think Adam Silver needs to already draft a memo to not have tanks go in in March and April because it's going to happen. Um, there will be a lot of discussion about this. I, to the point of the tweet about I'd rather win 25 to 30 games than lose in the first round. So yes, that's loser mentality. That he he also said he's he's a Giannis fan. Like, dude, you can't be a Giannis fan if you have that attitude. Like, that's just a, that's not how it works here. But anyways, if a team is around the play-in, I do wonder will some teams fall back and be like, I'd rather try my shot at getting Yama. But if you're around the play-in, it's going to be a lot for you to get a ton of lottery balls. Like, you'd have to lose basically the rest of the year to kind of get those lottery balls that you would need for one of the top two picks. So I I don't think I don't think it's I don't think that type of stuff's going to happen. I think you'll see it more egregiously at the bottom of the barrel teams, which right now are Oklahoma City, Indiana, San Antonio, Utah. Those are really the access of teams that are ready to tank. Who will tank the best? I don't know. It'll be fun to watch. Um, I think if I had to say out of those four front offices, Oklahoma City and San Antonio definitely taking one Binyama. No question about it. Indiana? Uh, I don't know. Now it's a tough one. I would imagine they would just because of the proximity to Giannis. And they'd say, all right, now we have our own Giannis. We have French Giannis. Like now we've seen what Giannis did for the Milwaukee basketball scene. Now we're going to have him do what many do the same thing for the Indianapolis basketball scene. And then Utah, I think what many too. So like what quote was great. Like that's an all time quote for an 18 year old. Like you don't usually get that 18 year old uh, prospects. That said, I, he's right. Like 
there are maybe I'm trying to think of who would be a team that's not very risk averse. The Washington Wizards take Scoot, maybe. I can see that. That's and I Wizards get shit on a lot. But that Charlotte Hornets, I could see. Um trying to think who else. There could be a few, there's a few. There are definitely a few that will be like, oh, he's gonna be the next Porzingis. Uh, which you never know. The injuries are extremely hard to predict. All right, that does it for NMM. Let me know if you want to see things added next time around. I can't promise you it's going to be every Wednesday, but it's something we'll keep rolling. All right, to round out the show, I, I did want to do a Chuck's Corner for those unfamiliar with Chuck's Corner. It is basically a time where I just shoot the shit. Something on my mind um, that's going on locally, something that's just my day-to-day life, um, and anything else, really. So I went to the first suburban gym. After being in walking distance of my last gym, I am no longer in that comfort. I have to drive either 10 minutes or 15 minutes to the gym. I chose the 15 minute one. It is now under evaluation for the next three days. I will say the things I liked, they had these bigger weight, free weights, where you had no calluses, which is really good. Um, made it also easy to kind of move them around. Some of them a little heavier than others, but not too bad altogether. That scores points for me. What doesn't score points for me is there was an older lady who was doing like a group class thing when I entered, but later in my workout, she started working on the free weights area. Not a problem. Anybody can work on the free weights area. But she started doing jumping jacks. She was doing like running mans. Like she was doing a full-fledged circuit in this little tiny area. And it's like, why the fuck are you doing this here? Like, can you please like exit to the area where this should be happening? Like we do not need this. I couldn't get to the 10s or 15s as I do some of the, the kind of auxiliary lifts and things like that. Like I, I couldn't get to any of that. Like I was fucked. So I had to just heavy up and, you know, now paying the price because I'm a little sore. But that's, so I blame her directly. So that was a big, big taking the points off. The other thing was they don't have a TVs. They don't have TVs for all their treadmills. One of the nice things about the Milwaukee location is you can watch TV on most of their treadmills. Now, granted, their TV stopped working recently, and I think they just don't want to get called out on it, or they're just refused to fix it. I don't, it's not my war anymore. I thought about bringing it up last week when something was going wrong, and I was like, you know what? You're going to be here for like four more workouts. Give it a rest. They have one big TV. I just have to figure out which treadmill makes the most sense for the big TV. I figured out what was Bravo on DirecTV, which I looked up. Yes, if you don't know, love watching Bravo when I run. It's mindless television. It's perfect. I also looked up ESPN. I was good to go. Um, so, yeah, it, it was all right. Like, it, it, the treadmill was nice. So, I'll give it credit there. So, the, mach- the equipment is good. The intangibles, eh, I don't know. Because you have the drive, which Google tells you it's 12 to 13 minutes. It's really more like 15 when it's all said and done. And you just, you have to bill out a lot of time. Like I think, what is it? I was, I think I was home, it was 6.39. I left at 5.39 and I was home by 7.10. So yeah, I have to figure that out for the morning lifts. I'm a little scared of that, truth be told. But we'll, we'll soldier on. We'll figure out, figure it out. And I will also say, I didn't mention this at the start, pre-empty gym for... Six o'clock to seven. I think partly due to the fact that most people have kids. 
so they have to actually go home and be a parent. So that helps. Um, we'll see how the we'll see how the morning workout crew goes. Um, we'll check that out on Thursday. Um, so be interesting to see. All right, that does it. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed today's show. We'll be back tomorrow with Mitch to return. Usually when we take a week off and then we come back, it is a good show. I can promise you the topics are good. I'm excited for it. Uh, we're going to give out Packer grades. Uh, we're also going to talk about the Bucks defensive news, um, something I wanted to save for Mitch as he is our Bucks diehard of this group. I would say that I'm I'm going to put myself in that diehard category, but I'm definitely definitely on the fringe. I'll put myself a fringe diehard, if that counts. Uh, so then we have that. Um, we'll also talk about the Badgers a little bit. We'll talk about the Brewers a little bit. Whole thing. So I hope you guys enjoy that tomorrow. I hope you guys enjoyed this one today. All right, take care. Have a good one. See you, Tappers. Bye.